In this episode, we speak to Palayo and Melissa from Forbidden Apple Podcast. I think I kind of love them, like both of them equally. Yeah. Yeah. We have got to plan a road trip whenever this coronavirus stuff is all better, Mm -hmm, or mm -hmm. at least contained or something. Yes. Yeah. Well, they are in New York. Not sure that's the best place to head right now. No, I'm not saying right now. Okay, tomorrow. Uh, Maybe next week. (laughs) Just kidding. (laughs) All right, let's get to that interview when we get back, shall we? Mm -hmm. Be right back. Are you struggling to lose weight and keep it off? Tired of wasting time and money on starvation diets that lead to more frustration and stress? If there was a weight loss solution that could actually work for you, would you try it? Then head to golo.com. I'm Steve. I lost 138 pounds in nine months on Golo. I'm Amber. I've lost 128 pounds with Golo. If you're ready to take back control of your life, head to golo.com now and see how Golo can work for you. That's golo.com. My sleep is way better. My inflammation has gone way down. Golo saved my life. I was way overweight. That's what sent me down the path. I wanted to make sure and live for my kid. I have literally tried everything. I was on the verge of getting gastric bypass surgery, and I saw the Golo commercial, and it was the last thing I tried because it worked. Join over 2 million people who found a better way to lose weight with Golo. Your healthier and happier life begins at golo.com. That's G-O-L-O.com. Again, G-O-L-O.com. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Latter-day Lesbian, the podcast about an ex-Mormon gay girl trying to figure out her life during COVID-19. <laughs> Puts a new spin on it, doesn't it? Kind of does. Mm-hmm. Well, I'm Shelly. And I'm Mary. There you go. And we are deadpan center in the middle of a pandemic. Deadpan center? That sounds like something my mom would say. <laughs> what does that even mean? Deadpan? Yeah. I mean, deadpan is kind of like a really reaction, like don't flinch or don't. Strike a pose. I don't know what deadpan. I don't know. Just you know, not cracking a smile. Make a joke right now, and I'll give you a deadpan reaction. Why did the chicken cross the playground? I don't know. To get to the other slide. Riveting. So that was deadpan. My reaction. That was deadpan silence. Fanny fact check. (laughs) Fanny fact check. (laughs) Hell is deadpan. Fanny help us. (laughs) And now we turn the time over to Sister Fanny fact check. Thank you, Brother Ben, for being the hovering male presence that prevents the Relief Society from bursting into witchcraft. You sweet sisters asked about the expression deadpan. This word now commonly means to say something funny but with a flat affect or a serious expression on your face. It comes to us from the 1920s when it was used as slang to mean something similar to poker face. In other words, to have any strong emotion in your words but not to show them on your face. Dead obviously means dead or lifeless, and pan, interestingly enough, means face. We could explain here that in Germanic languages, like German and Dutch, Swedish, Norwegian, and Danish, and English, that the word panner usually means forehead or skull, but that explanation is too straightforward for Sister Fanny. It turns out that there is a word in Hebrew pronounced something like Panim, which means faces, the singular of which would be pan or pan. When I read this, I felt a shiver of joy, which was obviously the Holy Ghost and not a dopamine hit for my confirmation bias to confirm unto me that fact-checking for you, sweet sisters, is my true calling from the Lord. Because Hebrew is in the Bible, and the Bible 
is the Bible. But just to be sure, I took this in all humility before a worthy priesthood holder. I asked prominent, extremely intelligent, Latter-day Saint scriptural language scholar Lavoigan K. McConkie Benson, who teaches woodshop and doctrinally correct language arts at the Freedom and Constitutionally Correct Book of Omni Conservative Conservatory for Young Latter-day Saints in Moroni, Utah. And he said, if you have a chance to choose between a biblical language and a boring language, you always go with the biblical language because God. So, sweet sisters, I can bear my testimony that deadpan means lifeless face. In the name of Jesus Christ, superstar, amen. It's funny how we just expect uh, Sister Fanny Backcheck to know everything, but so far she's pulled through, gotta say. She knows a lot of shit. Yeah. And she's got the Googles. She does have the Googles. She does have <laughs> As the... As do we all. She does have the Googles. But thing. I like her special twist that she puts on all those facts. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we are in the COVID epidemic right now. Pandemic. What's the difference there? I don't How I about don't dead know. pandemic? Dead pandemic. <laughs> uh, anyway, just got announced today that all of Fairfax County Public Schools, the schools that my kids go to, are closed for the rest of the year. It is end of March right now. Schools typically run through the first to second week of June. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And no, not this year. And So a pandemic means kids aren't educated. Is that what that means? Are sure. they going to do a like, I don't, I know you know, Google Classroom or something? I don't know. It was the governor who just made the announcement. Um, and now the public schools are like, okay, well, we got to figure out what we're doing. So I'm sure that they'll figure something figure out. something out, yeah. Should be fun. Should be fun. So because of this, Mary has been home from her regular job, mm-hmm. and we've been doing a lot of recording and things, and, and I can still go into my UC Places office because no I mean, one we're does. still working. Oh, we're for sure. We're, we're not sitting home eating bonbons. We're working, <laughs> but you're at home all the time. Uh, yeah. So, so we've had a lot of time together. We have had a lot of time together. We've been going into the UC Places office. Yeah, which has been fun because I've been doing my job there that they want me to do, mm-hmm. but also lots of um, karaoke. We did have a karaoke break today. <laughs> we did, we did. For our channel members. Yes. Marco Polo channels. Yes, so Marco Polo channels. I guess you need a karaoke break. I, I didn't know there do. were whole websites where you could just find karaoke tracks. Oh, for sure. We might have to do a daily karaoke. By the way, <laughs> our, our channels right now is open to both iPhone and Android. Yeah, that is true. We currently have about 25 members, so it's a lot of fun. Come on in. Yeah. I've also been posting fun videos on our Patreon. Now, when you say fun, this is your definition of fun. Well, shit's fun. When, when <laughs> I am singing Careless Whisper, uh-huh. that's fun. Mm-hmm. Raise your hand if you think watching me sing Careless Whisper is fun. Boom. Everyone but Mary's raising their hand. <laughs> Baby, I'm raising my hand. Okay. I'll raise it tall. Thank you. Anyway, what I was saying was because I know everyone's like having anxiety and staying home and like, what do I do? They're just kind of stuck home. I have been recording videos on the daily and posting them on Patreon. And those are available to all of our patrons, not just our $6 and up tier members. So $6 and up, we still save the after shows for them. But I'm posting videos on the reg. On the reg. Mm-hmm. Two bucks a month minimum. That's it. Yeah, for some karaoke madness. Yeah. Let us entertain you. I mean, and fun. you can help support <laughs> us. So it is fun. It's not okay. madness. No, it's not. Not okay. at all. Yeah. Um, I actually jumped in with some wagon wheel. You did? Yeah. On uh, Marco Polo Channel's 
you know, I was doing the harmony with you. Yeah. You did great. We did some Bon mm-hmm. Jovi, decided I can't hit the high notes, so I dropped down into my baritone. You sure did. <laughs> yep. That well, was it treat. wasn't creepy at all. No. 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 Not at all. Okay. I just wanted to get that stuff out of the way. Oh, you know what? I want to talk about these dumbass Mormons. <laughs> Weird that I would want to talk about the dumbass Mormons. Huh. So that doesn't happen. Because of coronavirus. Mm-hmm. You know, interesting that the prophet of the Lord, Russell M. Nelson, couldn't foresee bringing the missionaries home like a month before the virus outbreak. Weird, right? Yeah. Totally weird. Yeah. God didn't tell them ahead of time. No, 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 not at all. Mm. Anyway, all these missionaries getting sent home. And in Utah, the the governor there, like this, and the CDC and all that, they are saying don't be in groups of more than 10 people. Well, that's everywhere. Well, yeah, that's what you're supposed to do, social distancing. This is how we stop this pandemic from basically destroying. It's how we slow down the spread of this thing. Correct. So that hospitals are not overwhelmed. Yeah, it's how we keep it mostly under control. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So that has been the advice, the warning, the everything given. Yeah, everyone f- should know this by now. Yeah, everyone should know this. Everyone. Except for Mormons at Salt Lake City Airport. Oh, Lord have mercy. <laughs> so over a thousand missionaries coming back from random countries sure. all over the world, mm-hmm. land in Salt Lake, coming home, and Salt Lake Airport is packed. Uh-huh. With family members and friends and signs welcoming their elders home their, and their sisters, their missionaries home. Uh-huh. I've posted pictures on Facebook. It's like people are jammed into the parking lot, into the airport itself, uh-huh. hugging everyone, hugging this family member, this elder sister just came home hugging, then hugging each other, mm-hmm. touching strangers. Mm-hmm. Like, what the fuck do you think you're doing? Maybe they think God is going to protect them. God, you're so stupid. And it's such a selfish thing to do. It is selfish. It is because here's the attitude, I believe, because this is what I would think too when I was thinking that I would be Mormon forever and my kids would go on missions. You envision the moment when your worthy son or daughter, I guess, although I hadn't thought about that, that your worthy son comes home from his mission, mission was served with honor, and you see him for the first time in two years and just this big embrace and everyone's celebrating his return and their signs. Like, yeah, you envision that. That's what everybody wants to do, right? Mm-hmm. Hey, fuckers, you don't get to do that right now. Right. You are risking other people's lives doing that, but they are so selfish that that's the experience that they want to have. And they must think that God's going to protect them. Um, God's not, by the way. It doesn't work that way. Right. And you were warned. Mm-hmm. Have some fucking I mean, common we've all been warned. sense. And don't be so selfish. It's interesting <sighs> that you had talked about if you had stayed a Mormon and you had welcomed your son mm-hmm. back from a mission and you hadn't considered it for your daughters. Well, I was expecting my daughters to get married, to get married young to return missionaries because I sucked and I was brainwashed and I was sexist mm. um, and wow. homophobic. So, yeah. So you were going to dismiss your daughter's experience just like you were dismissed and probably the women before that, et cetera. Oh, of course. Like when I think of missionaries, I always think of like the men. Wow. The the faithful young men going on missions. I, huh. I think of um, the armies of Helaman. I think of the stripling warriors. Like that's how it was portrayed to me as a child growing up. And the, the women, it, that wasn't even a thought. Wow. Actually, for the longest time when I heard of a woman that was a return missionary, I would be like thinking, well, what was wrong with her that she couldn't get married? Wow. That fucked up. Damn. Yep. I mean, clearly— you were dismissing your own gender. Oh, yeah. Which includes yourself. Mm-hmm. But then you're dismissing, like, the next generation of oh, for sure. girls, including your own daughters. 
absolutely. So wow. fucked up. I know. And you, you know me. You know me. Like, that's not me. Well, no, not anymore. Right. That's my point. It's like I was so indoctrinated. You were like a I was, shell of a person. Oh, for sure. Thank God you got out of Mormonism. Oh, my God. I know, right? Get out of the cult. Get out. Whoo. Wow. What a happy topic. Mm-hmm. Anyway. Yeah. So, Mormons, get the hell out of the Salt Lake City airport. That's so stupid. Yeah. All these missionaries coming home from all these different countries. And I bet tons of those people coming to get their missionaries from the Salt Lake Airport are also from Idaho. And so they're going to bring that shit to Idaho. I will not be surprised if there's a huge spike in cases in that area. Mm. And you know what else pisses me off? If you look in the news, look at charts and shit, that area of Utah is the place where people are overbuying all of the supplies because they're like, it's Armageddon. It's the end yeah, of the world. Yeah, yeah. Get all shit. Mormon preppers. Mormon preppers, which means there's not enough to go around. Like you, you all, by your own definition of how you're supposed to be, you're not doing it right. You're supposed to be caring for each other. Are you caring for each other when you're bringing this fucking virus into your community via the airport? Are you caring for each other when you're buying all of the toilet paper, all of the hand sanitizer? I hear you. No one who's doing that is listening to our podcast, however. No, that's true. But they should be listening to, to Jesus. <laughs> to Jesus. Yeah. Where's well, Jesus in all of this? Mormons stopped listening to Jesus a long time ago. Although I did have someone, a uh, cousin of mine, she and her husband both, her husband is my actual cousin, they both work in the medical field, and they had a son coming home from his mission sent home because of the virus, and she messaged me to say that her kids were at home making signs for him to put in his room because when he gets home, he will be self-quarantined for two weeks. Well, there you go. Smart. Yep. Smart mama. There you have it. Yeah. couple okay. smart Mormons. One or two. Well, that's better than none, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, got that off my chest. Feel better? I do. I'm ready to talk to Palayo and, and Melissa. Melissa from Forbidden Apple Podcast. Uh-huh. Now, we have to give Kimberly Anderson a little credit here. Yeah. They sent us an email Mm -hmm. because Kimberly told them about our podcast. Yeah. And I don't want to give too much away from what's coming up in the interview, but um, they talk about how they know Kimberly. It's such Mm -hmm. a small world, Mm -hmm. really, because these two are not ex-Mormon. No. uh -uh. So Melissa's background, she is former Hasidic Jew, which is interesting. And Palayo is former hardcore Catholic. Yeah, like Spanish Catholic. From Spain. Yeah. Really, they have an interesting take on religion, and that's the whole thing with Forbidden Apple. It's mm-hmm. sort of collective stories that they have guests on, and they talk about religious backgrounds. Yep. So not dissimilar to our podcast right? in that, and I think they're both LGBTQ. I do believe. I believe so. So very similar. We had yeah. a great conversation with them. We did. We were actually on their show as well. Um, I think it's already come out. Yeah, it has. So look for it. That is episode 39. Don't light yourself on fire to keep others warm, which, again, it's something that we say, but we have to give Kimberly Anderson credit. Yeah, it's where I first heard That's it. It's like kind of her mantra, one of them anyway. Mm-hmm. And we have adopted that. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Kimberly. Thanks, Kimberly. You know, I kind of feel like I'm a better person knowing Kimberly Anderson. Me too. And Kimberly mm-hmm. Anderson is also a member of our channels. <laughs> yep. It has all come full circle. It, it has. And we get to hear from her on a regular basis, and that's really fun. Mm-hmm. So this interview actually was conducted a couple of months ago. Yeah. We actually interviewed a lot of people at the beginning of the year. Yeah. And now we did. Getting to them. Yeah. Now we are getting to them. Uh, we have sort of boosted up the sound absorption in our studio space. Uh-huh. So it might sound a little bit different. You can tell we've pre recorded it, but that's okay, mm-hmm. Shelly. 
That is just fine. I, I don't have a problem with it. Nope. You don't. You know me and my picky production stuff. It's called anality. Oh, anality. It's a word I just made huh. up. Nice. Oh, Mary and her analities. Mm. Are you making ass yes. references? Mm-hmm. Okay. I think she's got an ass thing. About For your me. ass, sure do. All right. Mm. Should we get to the interview right <laughs> after a quickie commercial break? Did you say a quickie? Oh, Lord. Let's just go to commercial, kids. <laughs> Fine. Be right back. We are supported by new dating app. Dating is difficult under even normal circumstances. Then try explaining your nutty religious upbringing to someone. Yeah, like the weird looks you get when you throw out expressions like, uh, what is that? Health in the navel, marrow in the, I don't know. Bones. Bones, okay. Strength in the loins and the sinews. Okay, listeners, maybe don't do that. No, don't do it. And now that you've left Mormonism, you've probably been kicked out of the singles ward. So now what? Download new an ex-Mormon dating app available on both Android and iPhone. Get ready to find post-Mormon love with someone who understands your background. Visit newdating.app and learn more. We're back. Hello. So, Shelly. Yes, Mary. <laughs> we have special guests today. I'm very excited. We have Palayo and Melissa from the Forbidden Apple Podcast. I think that's an amazing name, by the way. It really is. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Hey, guys. Thank Hello. You. Hi. Hi, everybody. Hi. Hi. Thank you for having us on. You are so welcome. Yeah, thank you so much. Oh, gosh. So fun. Mm-hmm. I'm really glad we could connect this is exciting. We're doing a little, yes. a little podcast swap, swappy mm-hmm. swap. That's so fun. Yeah, this is very exciting. It is. And the reason we thought this was such a good fit is because we're both from fucked up uh, religious backgrounds. <laughs> 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 I mean, all of us are. That's what I meant to who say. Who isn't? That's, that's true. Right. Find yes. someone who isn't, yes. really. <laughs> I think someone should start a podcast called I Grew Up Without Getting Fucked Up at All. <laughs> But maybe no one would listen. No one, yeah. because it, <laughs> it, they'd be like, today's guest is, uh, we no actually one. don't have any guests <laughs> because everyone's fucked up by their childhood. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I know. You guys, I don't even know if you realize this. We kind of talked about it offline, but you are charting on Apple Podcast religion chart. You're always in the top 100. Yeah, you're doing great. You're kicking it. Yeah. Woohoo. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're excited. We're so excited when people tell us that they hear about us, that we, we didn't know that we had any connection to them and that it's getting out there. It's really exciting. Isn't that the most amazing feeling? We've had that happen where like a friend of a friend that we have no idea who they are tells a friend of a friend, oh yeah, I listen to Latter-day Lesbian podcast. We're like, wait, what? How did mm-hmm. you, what? Awesome. <laughs> I know. We love that. Yeah, a couple of people recommended us to reach out to you and get some advice from you. Oh. So not only one, but like a couple of our uh, friends and listeners. Awesome. Nice. Well, you know, I'd like to think that I'm full of sage advice. Are you, Mary? <laughs> full of something. <laughs> full of shit. <laughs> yeah. So let's get into it. Let's talk about your podcast. How did you come up with a name? Why did you decide to start it? How long has it been on the air? So it's been since June uh, 2019. So we came June 30th. Out. June 30th. Yeah. yeah. We had in mind that it had to be during Pride. And uh, I remember at the end being like, oh, will we be able to like launch it by the end? And then we were a little bit nervous if it would happen or not. And then we just made it happen because with these things, we really wanted to be like outside of our comfort zone. And now we cannot believe that we're doing this every week. Yeah, do you ever run out of anything to talk about? <laughs> no. <laughs> Never. 
There's always things to talk about. Yeah, there's things to take out. We have a lot of those because yeah. we, we sometimes talk too much. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do the same. We, we tend to record for like an hour, 15 minutes, hour and a half, and then whittle it down to about 50 minutes. So yeah, we get that. So what's the format of your podcast? Is it interview style mostly? I would say, yeah, mostly, but it depends also if, if it's just Palayo and I talking. Um, because sometimes it's just the two of us. Most often we've been able to bring on guests, mm-hmm. but we do have one-on-one conversations and then it's a little less interview style. But we like to keep it casual and keep it more of a conversation rather than an interview. Yeah. So we do want to get to know our guests and talk about things that we find interesting, but we also want to just hang out. We get to hang out and yeah. record it. So it's really cool. We do always hang out with them uh, one-to-one at the, uh, before yeah. we get to know them. And then once we have like established that kind of like trust, we go ahead and, and continue the conversation on air, basically. I also just want to point out that the name is Palayo's Brainchild. So Palayo came up with the name. And I was like, of course, that's the name. We're in the Big Apple. Right. We're mm-hmm. in New York. And the Forbidden Apple, all this religious, yes. you know, connotations. Like, it was perfect. So you guys both have quite the background with your own religious experiences. You want to tackle that for our audience? So I'm from New York and I grew up in Brooklyn in a Hasidic community. And that's like an ultra-Orthodox Jewish community where the men wear black hats and the women wear uh, dresses only and very specific and wigs and very specific um, dress codes. And so it's very gendered and uh, there's very specific roles for men and for women, which is, I feel like anybody that comes from a very um, conservative background can relate. Oh, yeah. Right. Being like coming from a Mormon church, I'm sure you have similar. Absolutely. No. Are you kidding? Mormonism is super gender equality. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, 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 yeah. Very, very, very Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. So I grew up in that community. And although I actually um, I have a really big family, I have six sisters and two brothers and like 40 nieces and nephews. And I'm a great aunt. I have great nieces and nephews. Jesus. Lord. Yeah. I love my family. I adore my family, which actually makes it hard because. I don't live according to their lifestyle because it doesn't work for Mm -hmm. me. And I I definitely have criticisms, but I also see beauty in it. And that took a long time for me to um, come full circle, you know, and it's still work. Mm -hmm. So it took time to get over like feeling rejected and feeling like I can be my full self. And then being able to realize that I was the one that made all these changes and just to give them some time to catch on because they get worried if I'm in the secular world, am I going to be okay? Yeah. They, they don't know the secular world is a stable place and that you can actually live. You know, to them, it's like, if you don't live this way, what are you doing? You're living on the street and you're being a bum and, you're, you know, they, there's all that fear. That sounds so familiar, too, to Mormonism. Like yeah. that whole, where will you go speech. Right. Like yeah. if you leave yeah. the church, where will you go? Like there's nothing well, yeah. outside of it. You're not going to make it. Yeah. And there's like genuine fear that my sister's talked to me years later, told me all these things that they were afraid of, like that they'd get a call in the middle of the night that that I was like, you know, overdosed in some (laughs) hotel room and I don't do drugs. It's never been something that I've gotten into. But to them, that's what they were afraid of. You know, like, so there was all that. So being able to see all of that. Yeah. You might as well just be a crack whore because that's what they expect anyway. I mean, give it a (laughs) shot. Maybe you'll like it. I don't know. Right, right. Isn't it weird? I remember my parents being so worried that since I left the church that I would no longer raise my seven children with any kind of morals. Like suddenly I wouldn't know how to raise kids, which is such a bizarre thing because just because you leave your religion doesn't mean that you're mothering is suddenly gone. Like you're just going to let them do whatever the yeah. hell they want. It doesn't mean your morality is gone and your exactly your sense of right and wrong. Exactly. Which also calls to question, is religion the only thing that's keeping you from doing the wrong thing? Exactly. So I would get into conversations with family members like, 
I don't have a desire to kill people. It's not just religion telling mm-hmm. me you can't kill people. I know it. I don't have a desire and I know it's wrong. Mm-hmm. Having these conversations and being able to separate my humanity from the religion that I was raised in was something that I, I worked hard and, and, and I'm lucky that actually my family did that work with me. Good. So I'm actually really lucky and I can see the beauty and they know we have different lifestyles and mm-hmm. there's a respect at this point. Good. But yeah, it's a long, it was, a, it's a long journey and it's so hard also for me to be able to then find my humanity. You know, it's, it's hard for me to figure out who I am separate from religion too, because it was a domino effect, which I'm sure you have something similar being raised that everything is around this religion. Mm-hmm. One thing that's heartbreaking to me about fundamentalist religions is the fear mentality that they teach. Mm, so your yeah. sister's afraid for you, but where did she yeah. learn that fear? Yeah, You know what I mean? You don't just have crazy imaginations just out of the True. blue. I mean, those come from somewhere. They're taught to you. Yeah. 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 But if they were not taught, they'd probably be less uh, tendency to stay. Right. So it's, uh, I think it's one of the main, main components. Of yeah, a little bit. Yeah. A control thing. Yeah. Absolutely. Because yeah. who mm-hmm. who would choose to stay in something so, uh, like chains? You're, you're chained to something. You can see the outside world and the outside world looks fun and exciting. And, you know, you could be yourself, but it's that fear of, I can't go there because that's evil and wicked and I will burn in hell if I do that. It just becomes scary. It's the same reason why so many people in the Mormon church continue to pay their tithing, even when they have no money, they're flat broke. They can barely afford to pay for their kids' food. And the Mormon church is so rich. They have so, they're like Catholic rich, but out of fear for burning and going to hell, they keep paying this money. It's the same idea. You're afraid. They call it fire insurance. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. They call it fire insurance. So it's not because you love your church and you're like, somehow I'm I'm doing a good thing. And even though, you know, this idea of even if you have very little, if you give, Mm -hmm. um, like God repays you kind of idea. Probably for some people. For some it is, but the fact that the church demands you pay it. So if you don't pay your 10% of your gross income before you pay any of your bills, you are not worthy to go into the Mormon temple, which if you're not worthy to go in the Mormon temple, you will not be saved to live with God in eternity. Yeah, you're going to go to hell. That's just purely fear. Mm -hmm. For sure. Just instilling fear. It's also so crazy because this concept of heaven as if they're the gatekeepers, as if that's a real thing. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like everyone buys into that story. Yeah, isn't that crazy? Yeah. It's like, yes, it's, it's amazing <laughs> how religion can, organized religion can control so oh, much. Yeah. And so that's, I feel like that's been our work. That's been my personal work and my work with my family. Mm-hmm. And our work here with Palayo is like figuring out all that bullshit mm-hmm. that organized religion has spouted and actually taking the, if there are lessons or things that we can find that are actually positive and that are good yeah. that like loving your neighbor as yourself For sure. like not judging other people yeah. like those kinds of messages I would say that our podcast is, is kind of like like a filter to all that mm-hmm. uh, because we do try to see like the good thing we also bring people that have had uh, good experiences finding their own meaning of what that religion means to yeah. them and although neither of us uh, really uh, assign ourselves with that religion in particular yeah. we do appreciate all these thoughts and all these conversations mm-hmm. about uh, things that will make your life be more purposeful Halaya, what about your background? So in my background, it is not as radical in a way. It's also very culturally ingrained. Mm -hmm. It's difficult to differentiate where the line is between the Spanish culture that I lived and uh, the religion that was affecting Mm -hmm. me and my family. Mm -hmm. 
because everything is very mono, very like uh, monotheistic, very monocultural. So I was raised in a place where I never met a Jewish person until I came to New York. Yeah. I never met uh, and spoke to like a black person until I came to New York. So, so many things, it was just one culture, yeah. which is very similar with uh, this kind of like Orthodox religions. But in our case, it's just like the country culture. So I grew up going to church every weekend, having to do the confessionals, which were extremely uncomfortable. I remember that was oh, yeah. kind of like one of the first things that I didn't want to be associated with. And I convinced my parents to go to the um, commune confessional, which was, you just had to think about it. You didn't have to like directly <laughs> say to a priest. I like it. I like and it. I was so relieved. It was a session that was like three hours, uh-huh. <laughs> but I rather did those three hours than spend 10 minutes with the priest one-on-one telling him what I had done or what oh, I haven't done. hell yeah. I wonder if anyone just makes up crazy crap just to be funny. <laughs> <laughs> I awesome. wonder, too. Yeah, I killed somebody this week. Yep, sure did. <laughs> Say three Hail Mary. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You think that's how it works in the movies. <laughs> yeah, you would never get more than that. You should have gone in and been like, you know, I have these fantasies of, of killing priests. Um, I planned it all out. Like, what would they do? You, would they say, you know, three Hail Marys or they, would they be like, we're going to need to call the police? Like, what would they do? Yeah, I think they can. You're I think right, it's one can. of the votes they make, right? Yeah, yeah, they yeah. cannot. It's, it's a confessional secret yeah. that has to stay there. Like the doctors and the lawyers. But, but but a therapist is allowed, if they're afraid of someone is actually a threat to themselves or others, they are allowed to. Mm. Get, so maybe there's something with priests as well. Gotcha. I don't think so. I mean, do most Catholics feel like confession is just part of it and they have to do it. It's required. Yeah, 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 yeah. For my family, you would not be able to get the Christ form, which is what you take at the end of the ceremony, unless you had confessed. And I remember I had like a couple aunts who were not as participative in the church. I would always ask them, why aren't you going to take the the Christ at the end, the sacred form? And um, like they wouldn't really talk about it. Well, now we (laughs) know. But it was because they wouldn't be confessioning in a regular basis. Okay. And that's what you're talking about. Like you're not able to do sacrament or communion until you've confessed. Correct. Yeah. Okay. Got it. There's something similar in the Mormon world in that if you haven't been forgiven of your sins yet, meaning if you haven't either gone to your bishop and he's punished you and then said you've been forgiven, if you're just keeping that sin on the inside, you're not supposed to take the sacrament. And so during sacrament meeting, people would always look around. And if someone just took the sacrament tray and passed it by and didn't take any, you'd be like, oh shit, what Sister Jones done that she's not taking the sacrament? It's such a judgy thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, people pay attention to that. Mm -hmm. Well, and your bishop can require you to sit out of sacrament for a few meetings, right? Yeah, he did to me when I confessed that I had a beer. He's like, you can't take the sacrament for two weeks. So then I felt like an idiot passing the sacrament tray by. It's just so lame. So it's shaming? Is it just a form of shame? Oh, it's everything's a form of shame. That's another way to keep you in line is because you know the consequence. Mm -hmm. The worst thing Uh. you, you want is to have to go to your bishop and tell him, oh, I've had premarital sex, because that's not a sin that you can privately heal from or, or privately forgiven from. You will get punished publicly. They're not going to say so-and-so had premarital sex, but you will not be taking the sacrament. You won't be allowed to say prayers during church. You won't be allowed to hold a calling, like teach or anything. So people know. Yeah. Oh, wow. So both of you, I would say, wow. and I would say this for Shelley too, uh, experienced fundamentalist versions of each of your religions. So yeah. I believe there are Catholics that still attend Mass and maybe don't go 
go to confession all that often. I mean, that's a thing, right? Yeah, it was a thing, just not from like what I experienced with like the group where I was attending. Mm-hmm. Yeah, with. so not your upbringing. And the same the no. same thing for the Jewish community. There's versions that aren't as strict. Yeah, my community is definitely very ultra, ultra, ultra orthodox. It's not like there's a lot of people that have Jewish experiences that I meet afterwards and they were raised Jewish. And I'm like, that's a very different Jewish than I was yeah. raised. Right. right. So it's not the typical Jewish experience. It's It's a very specific experience. That's the Hasidic and then is specific from my sect. So it's a sect of ultra-Orthodoxy. And then within that, there's these specific sects. Wow. I was going to ask, within that, these small sects, do they look at the other sects as being wrong? There is this idea that this person that I follow is better Mm. or has a better interpretation, but it's not like uh, yours is wrong. It's that this feels right for me. It's kind of like choosing a church to go to, but knowing the other one is is as religious, but it's not like my style or it's not my, it's like that. Yeah. I was raised evangelical and they had a name for other types of Christians, including Catholics, uh, lukewarm Christians. That was (laughs) the way that they described anyone who wasn't exactly like them. Uh. Yeah. Well, we do have that actually uh, in the Hasidic world. So not really with the other sects, but people that aren't ultra-Orthodox they are looked at, upon as lukewarm. And we never use the word. Yeah. But now that you're saying that word, that's exactly what it is. It's looked at as like, they're not as religious. And so they're not as like maybe holy or yeah, like lukewarm. It's so funny how we are comparing four different religious backgrounds right now. And there's so many similarities. <laughs> yeah, so many. And the idea that your version of religion is better than everybody else. Everybody seems to be taught that, yeah. right? We had a guest, Madison Hatchon, who uh, grew up Mormon as well. And she talked about how they were taught that this religion is the best. Yeah, mm-hmm. the one true. It's the best in the world. And they're the ones that are saved and all of that yep. stuff. And I was like, wow, every religion has this concept. Absolutely. That somehow this is the right way to live. Well, I think they have to. Or how will you keep your membership if you teach that all religions are equal in the sight of Jesus and you can be whatever you want, then you're going to end up losing your members that want to go to the church down the street because they let you drink coffee or, you know, whatever the case is. Yeah. So these religions have to say that we are the ones who have the truth and we are the ones who can get you saved. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Give yeah. us your money. It is their, their marketing strategy. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. successful for every one of them, uh-huh. for sure. I have a question I just thought of. Since you all have been interviewing people and you talk to them about keeping the good from their religion, are there any particular religions that seem to be easier for your guests to hang on to some of it? Like they haven't been damaging. ruined by it. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I think the ones that are more lukewarm. The ones that grew up with it not being as orthodox. We had Jeremy on and he he's Jewish and he grew up reformed Jewish. He had an experience with his bar mitzvah that he didn't like this rabbi, but generally his community was nice and he didn't feel slighted by them. And so he had a pretty good experience, I would say. When you have been educated, knowing that this is the only thing that's possible, the moment that you see something that may be possible and that other people are following, you're going to be so disappointed at your past that it's going to be so difficult to move on from that. So I feel like there's a lot of people with huge disappointments from their upbringings. Uh, That's when it's more difficult. mm -hmm. Also, because we add the queer part, that gets a lot more complicated because there are people that were happy growing up. They went to church. They were a part of it. They were in the choirs until they knew about their sexuality Mm -hmm. and then feeling the criticism or knowing that they can't come out. And then there's all of that with religion. Mm -hmm. So there are people that had a really nice childhood and then had supportive family and loved their family and loved their religion. And then the queer part, the way that people responded or that they were taught about queerness, that's the part that really came to bite them. Absolutely. So that's a big struggle. 
It is a big struggle. Yeah. And it's one of those things that's really difficult to reconcile when you're in this religion that basically says you're a second-class citizen because you're LGBTQ or other yeah. issues. Mm-hmm. Or you need to not live in sin, and so you can't be fully happy. Exactly. Now, in Mormonism, they call it a shelf. When you start to think about things that you don't agree with in the Mormon church and you can't figure it out and no one can really answer you honestly, you put it on a shelf until there's so much stuff piled up on your shelf that it breaks and you leave. I love the wording. Yeah. I love yeah. this wording. Who comes up with well, it? You know, it's kind of a funny. long line of ex Mormons have come up with that. <laughs> That's amazing. It's true yeah. because I don't think anyone has complete belief in something, and then the next day they've lost it. It's little things yes. here and there that you're like, I don't really like that, but I don't want to address it. I guess it's similar to saying you put it on the back burner. Mm-hmm. Um, but we say just set it on the shelf, set it on the shelf, and pretty soon, really, there's so much on the shelf that it just crashes, yeah. and you sit there and you you try to pick through it, and you're like. No, this is shit. I can't do it anymore. There's too much. Did you all um, have similar experiences with your departures? Yeah, for sure. I did. Because people often ask, like, what what made you leave? And it's so Mm -hmm. hard. It's so hard to say one specific thing because it was a lot of things. And it's a little bit and then a little bit. And you try to make it work. I try to make it work for me in a different way. I was like, okay, so maybe my sex rules doesn't work. So I went to a Hebrew seminary in England Mm -hmm. that wasn't Hasidic, was ultra-Orthodox, but not my sect at all. Mm-hmm. Like I tried something completely different and be like, maybe that'll work for me because over there women studied more and they were able to learn um, more in depth. And I thought maybe that would work for me. And then ultimately it didn't work for me, yeah. but it was a steps and steps and trying to like bend myself into this box, like trying to find a way to like find another box that would fit. Yeah. That was a huge thing. And it's one thing on top of the other. And then ultimately knowing that I cannot stay. Yeah. Like there's, it's too much. Exactly. Um, but not until I actually like really tried almost everything. I would say I tried to really make it work. When you leave your religion, people who are still in that religion, they accuse you of leaving because you just want to sin or because you're lazy. Oh, yes. And I really don't think anyone leaves out of laziness or I just want to go sin. Mm -hmm. You have tried and tried and tried to make it work, and it doesn't work. It is harder to leave the religion than it is to stay in, you know? Yes. Everything that you just said, yes. People are like, oh, you do this, like you're just going and there's no responsibility, as if freedom doesn't come with responsibility. Yep. Having to make your own choices comes with so much more responsibility than being told what to do. Yeah, that's true. Uh, like completely. And having to explain that mm-hmm. when people look at you as if you're just like now wanting to do everything. You're just wanting to have sex all the time mm-hmm. and you're wanting to just be everything that they feel that they are controlled by probably. Yeah. That was something that I was shocked to learn. I was shocked to learn that the people that I thought we're good people. And I think they are. Sure. I think it's, I, I think there are, you know, issues and it's a gray area, but I think that to realize that the minute that they really think that the minute somebody doesn't have those rules, that they want to do everything. And it gave me a little insight into maybe how some people are feeling controlled oh, for and sure. how they would want to do all this stuff. So they're putting it on, on me, on me or someone that has left and be like, you would just want to have sex all the time. Like, and, and being propositioned mm-hmm. for sex actually from people within the community, because that's now who I am. Wow. Oh, wow. That was a thing. Yeah. Not everybody, of course, yeah. um, but Lord. more like that was like, what? Well, what does that say about those people who are propositioning you? <laughs> right? I know. <laughs> it blew my mind oh, and it was wow. so confusing. Wow. And it wasn't many people, but it was enough to be like, this is coming from too many different people. Oh. Like, what is happening? Yeah. So the same people that would police you 
are also the people that the minute you look a little different or they not know they're not religious are like, like oh, calling you on the street. So you want sex now because you're no longer um, part of this religion. Wow. That's yes. interesting. With Mormonism, the first thing you do when you leave is you try coffee. <laughs> Wow. I love that. We're, we're not like instantly heroin users and prostitutes. We, we do coffee first because we weren't allowed coffee. Drug, for yeah. sure. But it's funny because if you are Mormon and you drink coffee, again, you cannot get to heaven. Like you go mm-hmm. to hell. So it still is just a major wow. sin. But it's funny that for Mormons, okay, my first step of rebellion is I'm going to try coffee. While we're on the subject of sin, how is alcohol perceived in both of your ex-religions? Mine doesn't have any. Mine doesn't either. No, no issues. No, no issues. Women don't drink it a lot in my, in my specific community, but there is, uh, is no issue. Gotcha. If you're at a party, my niece got married last week, there's not a lot of alcohol that's served, but it's there and you can have if you want. But it's just not so much a part of our culture. Yeah. But there's nothing yeah. about it. In the church, you actually drink it when you have the communion. You drink wine. That's what? the blood of Christ. <laughs> yeah. Mormonism yeah. says it's the blood of Christ as well, but they use water because they're cheap asses. They're not allowed to drink alcohol. And Jesus drank it. Jesus Don't they made it. they get that? Of course. <laughs> yeah. I heard of some people using grape juice. Uh, yeah. Mormons won't even do that. The cheap. Methodists, oh. at least when I was a kid, they used grape juice for sure. Most of the churches yeah. I went to yeah. used grape juice. So I'm curious about a palayo. Did you have a shelf as well that broke? So I was thinking about this concept that I really like the shelf thing. And I think for me, it was kind of like more of like a rebellion mm-hmm. uh, for my parents. So the things I was putting in the shelf were things that my parents were kind of like expecting of me. Mm-hmm. They really wanted me to like study some degree that really will make money in the future. They really wanted me to like avoid any kind of like artistic inclinations. Mm. They really want me to be straight. They really want me to be religious. So all these things were in the shelf. And then when I started college, I just like left the city. And then later I moved to New York where I was able to like discover myself completely. And I would say that's when like the shelf completely fell. Gotcha. And what's funny is that now even like my parents are not as religious as when we were growing up. Oh, really? So they were really pushing this into us. But then as soon as we left the house, I don't think my mom even like goes to church anymore. Wow. Oh, wow. Go mom. Yeah. Huh. And maybe she had a shelf too. Who knows? I know, but she's she's very close. So it's difficult to have these conversations with her. If I ask her a question, she would reply with another question of why I'm asking that. Uh, but it's definitely something that I'd love to explore more with her. Yeah, she's sure. not ready to talk about that stuff yet. Yeah. I wonder if my parents have anything on their shelf that they just haven't they addressed. They tell you. And here's a shelf question for both of you. So for me, I had thrown all the stuff on my shelf a lot of times just subconsciously. Didn't even realize it, that I just had certain problems with some things. I just couldn't address them. And then when I left and started researching these things that I questioned, I realized, oh my gosh, I was right. Those things are messed up. So it's like my inner self knew that there was something wrong here and I couldn't face it until I got out of the cult and looked back. Did you all experience anything like that? So all that stuff that I put on the shelf, all those little things that added up, it was a little off yeah. and then it wasn't enough. And then there was a little bit more off and it wasn't enough. But I do think actually a lot of it's interesting when I hear what Palaya was saying about his family is I think for me, some of that was also the community and family, mm-hmm. not always the religion. Mm. And even when I had left, when I mentioned that these people were catcalling, it was the people. It's not the religion. It's, it's the people that then disrespected me. And they're not taught to disrespect women. Mm. There's clearly roles for men and women, and they don't know how to relate to women. I would say that they're very divided throughout their lives, but they're definitely taught to not disrespect right. somebody, right? So to me, it's seeing those kinds of behaviors. That was only once I left, but seeing that kind of thing in people, 
Yes. People that were religious, but they were not necessarily good or following something to make them better. Like they were just religious and going to the synagogue. Yep. Or, They're checking their boxes. Yes, yeah. but still not being the people that I respected or gossiping or letting power be important rather than actually what God wanted. You know, like those were the things that made me question all of that. Oh, yeah. This is more about power. This is more about control. This is not about God. Like being able to see that in human beings, that was something that I struggled with. And I think it's a big struggle because my direct family wasn't like that, mm-hmm. but it's messages of the community. So it's then, okay, there are people that are good. I see that this helps them be good and have a good path. But then these are people like having to struggle and figure it out. And only after like all that stuff on the shelf being like, oh, okay, all right, I get it. <laughs> so seeing a little clearer. For sure. Yeah. But also learning that the black and whites are, there's no black no, and whites. Exactly. It's all grays. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Like for me, that was a huge learning thing. Yeah. Wow. And you know what? Uh, no shocker here. Every single religion attracts tools. Mm-hmm. Like jerks. Yes. Because the just, power and they're yeah. typically patriarchal and yeah. it kind of yeah. attracts the narcissist, the person who wants to be in control. And that was definitely something that I realized as I was leaving and after I left is how poorly I was treated by so many people in the process. I did not leave Mormonism because the way the people treated me. I left because I was exhausted of trying to be the perfect person and things were building up on my shelf. But as I was leaving, the way people treated me as I left made me leave a whole lot faster. You know, like, what the Uh, fuck? Seriously, you're supposed to be Christ-like and you're supposed to be this person who's receiving revelation from God to give to me and you're treating me in this way? I'm out of here. So all the snubbing, all Mm -hmm. the judgment, all the lectures, all the gossiping. What happened to, if you love something, set it free? Yeah, Yeah. Which it comes to me with like one of the biggest things that I had to get rid of was a lot of what was associated with religion and with uh, my family in particular was... Oh, what would people say? Yes. Yeah. What would people say if you don't go to church? What would people say if you were this to church? What would people say if you uh, didn't study this or that? And that was like one of the things that little by little you like get used to like, okay, maybe it doesn't matter what people say. Yeah. When you were mentioning that that wasn't the reason why you left, I was thinking that one of the things I think that all these organized religions do, it actually causes a separation. Mm -hmm. So in a way, they're trying to celebrate their own faith, but they're also separating. You know, that was something that bothered me since I was very young. I didn't like this feeling that because somebody wasn't like me or looked like me or dressed like me or believed like me, they weren't my people. Yeah. That felt very wrong from a very, very young age. Oh, yeah. yeah right? It was like, we're all, there's a shared humanity. And I felt that. I felt that with people I saw in the grocery store. And even though I wasn't surrounded by enough people that weren't from my community, that was something that I would always point out since I was young. You had a good moral compass back then. Good for you. I think so. I was very sensitive and it just felt wrong. Mm -hmm. It felt like these people can be my people also. Why aren't they my people? Mm -hmm. And why aren't these my friends? It it didn't feel right. I try to understand sometimes where that came from because I didn't have enough access. Yeah. But I had enough to know that we were keeping ourselves divided. Yeah. The things you're talking about now never crossed my mind until I was like 40 years old, like a grown-ass woman, because the way I was raised that I was born Mormon and I have this Mormon ancestor, you know, this heritage, and I am so lucky and I'm a chosen person of God. Uh And so I felt special because as a girl in a Mormon church, you're not special. You're just kind of a breeder. You're just there to have babies. But I was special because I was a Mormon. And so when I started learning about other religions and cultures and things, I just felt sad for them. Like, oh, that's too bad. Well, I'm special. And I felt (laughs) Mm -hmm. great about being special. And it's interesting going back to the coffee thing. When I first went to a coffee shop and had coffee, 
I looked around and here's all these other people just having coffee like normal people do. And I instantly had this emotion of, oh, wow, this is humanity. I am part of the world now. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like I'm any better than anyone else. It felt great. But Shelly, when you felt, quote, sad for those people, was that true empathy or did you feel better than them? I felt better from them. And I thought that if they would be just like me, then they would be happy because I had convinced myself that I was happy because I was checking all the boxes. Melissa, Mormons are so full of themselves. You know what they (laughs) call non-Mormons? Gentiles. Yeah. Oh, we could do that too. Ah, well, that you too. started it. <laughs> I don't know if you know this. Started it? You started <laughs> it. Mormonism was only around since like 1823 or something. I mean, it's not an old religion. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> then I was thinking, Gentile is like, is that bad? What does that it mean? It almost sounds like gentle. That's what I'm Gentiles thinking. Gentiles, like in Mormonism, Gentiles more like the world, mm-hmm. where we're above the yes, world and they're the world. Too. And yes. we need to bring the Gentiles to the truthfulness of the gospel. That's mm-hmm. it's all that shit. Oh, yeah. like that. Missionary work. Yeah. Uh, Good Lord. When I put in Gentile in Google, it comes out, one, not Jewish. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Mormons. So full of yourself. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Get your own vocabulary. Whatever. <laughs> Get your own. <laughs> Yeah, we do definitely also had that thing about being chosen. And that's like something for sure that was like, oh, we're God's children and we're special. And and like, why would you want to be like the secular world and dress like them? Yeah. You're like a queen. Yeah. Queens don't mm-hmm. do that. Yeah. Right? yeah, you're better than that. Especially for uh, women. It's like this uh, because women have spe- those specific roles, but they're still being told that they're the daughter of Israel. And it's a really special thing. Yeah. yeah. For sure. That's what I'm saying. I don't understand why as a young age, giving those messages, did I have this feeling? It's awesome. Why are we excluding? I don't know where that came from. Well, it speaks volumes about you as Mm -hmm. a person. Did that have anything to do with why you wanted to start this podcast? So now that we're talking, it's so cool that through our conversations, I'm learning so much about myself. (laughs) I am because, yeah, I think so. I think that's always been, and that's Palayo and I, our friendship has been a lot about getting to know ourselves and the world and be able to grow and and know our demons and our personal shit. Yeah, Yeah, it's like being able to discuss instead of just accept things, which was a big part of like my childhood of just getting things from like outside and and understanding that things were fixed. And this is more of like the black and white thing again, the grace, finding Mm. all that and making questions instead of just assuming and uh, labeling things. And so Palayo and I would do that. And definitely one of the things about doing our podcast is to to connect, to to find that thing that connects us all. Yeah. And also celebrate our differences, but mostly focus on like the things that we're all so similar. We're all the same. And like now just talking about these religious upbringings, those messages, they're all the same because human beings have those specific needs. You know, religion knows how to target. They do. And everyone wants to feel special, yeah, too. Exactly. But we hope that people want to just feel also connected. And so we're hoping, like, this is a platform. So instead of you being very religious, come and join us. You yeah. Know? Be like, yeah. you can have a community without judging, for sure. you know, or without having to fit in a specific We have a large box. group of listeners most are ex-Mormon, but we have ex-everything, and we have non-religious people who never were raised in it because there's just something about sharing your stories of hurt and pain and getting over something. And especially within ex-religious groups, like we've discovered just talking, the, the four of us, there's a commonality here. Oh, big time. Um, and you can share that with others and find a new 
community because yeah. I think a lot of people who leave religion, they're like, well, now where do I go? I don't have a community. There's amazing community out there. And I, I believe that the listeners yeah. of our podcast are going to be all over your podcast because it's a very similar vibe of yeah. connection yeah. and understanding one another and discussing things without trying to convince someone of something. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Thank you so yeah. much. And, uh, and we, I, welcome I all they, yeah, we welcome all we of welcome them. We welcome all of you. We don't make this <laughs> come, distinction. Come, Gentiles, yeah. non-Gentiles. <laughs> all of the people, all of the humans. Can I just say to our listeners as well, um, even if you don't like their podcast, Palayu and Melissa are two of the best looking people you will ever uh, see in your life. I just want to throw that out there. Which will be very useful for <laughs> while you listen because yeah, you won't see anyone. Pull up like their Facebook page and then listen. That's funny. Um, I was going to ask too, Melissa and uh, Palayu, how did you meet? So we actually uh, have this common friend uh, from acting and, and life in general who's Russian. And she used to do this huge Russian celebration for her birthday every year. So we met the first time that, that I went to her birthday. Uh, Melissa was there and we were kind of like the only queer persons mm -hmm. over yeah. there, mm -hmm. even though we were starting our discovery of our yeah. queer identity. Yeah. We were both in very similar places because Belaya mm -hmm. just came uh, from Spain and I was just starting to date women. So we were the only queer people in that group. People that were openly queer. Yeah. And so that was our, our bond. We talk about dating and relationships and mm -hmm. we see each other at, at her parties. Mm. And then we became really good friends and we became roommates for a time and then... Uh, Just talking, we would have these conversations very often. Yeah. And, and now we turn this into this. That's it's awesome. Fantastic. Which we're very excited about. Yeah. I keep thinking of questions as we're talking. I also wanted to ask, starting your podcast, what did you expect and what is it now? Uh, and what have you learned? Because I, I know when we started oh. and where we are now, it's just completely yeah. different ballgame. You never game. know where you it's going to take yeah. you, right? Yeah. How about you? Yeah. Oh, that's a really good question. I think for us, uh, we were expecting to do a podcast, right? Mm -hmm. That's it. And then trying to create a community further than the podcast. Mm -hmm. uh, so we've done events. Uh, we've met such a huge amount of people that yeah. we have, we're still connected with and they have took us to paths in life that we wouldn't have gone those ways if we wouldn't have uh, met these people. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I think also one of the big surprises was the amount of faith spaces mm -hmm. that are not just accepting, they're actually celebrating queer voices. Oh, wow. And we talked to a queer priest, oh, that's Episcopal great. priest, and then we talked to uh, reverends and people that are in queer spaces and doing this work. And then Marion, she's a queer clergy member. Yeah. I'm not sure exactly her, her mm -hmm. role, but she wears she's a collar a at times. Yeah. She's a reverend. Yeah, um, she has a whole organization a, that takes care of homeless. And her wife is actually um, ex-Mormon. Yeah. No way. Her wife is ex-Mormon. They ex -Mormon. live in Utah. <laughs> They live in Utah. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah, and knowing these people, we, we doing, to being able to do them. this work. Yeah, for sure. Yes, yeah. we'll connect Let's you. Yeah. For sure. Oh, she's so, so awesome. Like, really amazing. So seeing all those spaces and the Church of the Village is in New York and they took out the pews to deal with the PTSD that people have. They have queer clergy And they have a rainbow. They had an artist, which we had on, Jamie Jones, who painted a rainbow in the entrance of the church. Oh, wow. That's great. And so I feel like we're involved with more faith by doing this podcast. <laughs> so that's been a real turn. I that's love fantastic. It. Like in a completely different way. Well, it's kind of full circle for your life. When you were a kid, you felt like your religion was exclusionary. And now you're getting to meet all kinds of people and in inclusive religion. Yeah. Faiths. We're bringing it all together yeah. and letting people know about these things, you know? So it's like, we're trying to make that also more inclusive. I love it. And also um, the definition of spirituality. Yes. That is. I was just about to talk we, about that. Go ahead. Yeah, that is definitely something that we're, we're in constant conversation about that. And I would have, wouldn't have a consider myself a spiritual person before doing this podcast and then doing this I feel like 
hmm, the definition of that change. Because yes. to me, it's like, I think instead of having other people's definitions of it, understanding of it, I've been able to like come up with my own. And just this idea that we're all beings and we're all worthy of love. There's this innate goodness that I believe that people have. Mm-hmm. And to try to connect to that in whatever way you do, I think that's spiritual. For sure. And so for me, I love connecting with people. So now it's like when we're writing, like we're writing our like bios or we're submitting grants and I'm like, huh, I'm using words that I wouldn't have used in yeah. the past. And that's like been very new. I think definitions change when you leave. So much. So spirituality yeah. to me as a Mormon, we actually didn't talk about that that much. It was, do you have the spirit with you? And spirituality was more of like mm. a like a weird yoga. Well, they told you how to be spiritual. Well, they told you what spirituality was. It was being Mormon and checking all the boxes. Yeah. And now as I've left and I meet people who have also left or people who were never Mormon and they talk about spirituality and it's like, yeah, I do feel like I'm a spiritual person, meaning my spirit, whatever is in me, it connects and it mm-hmm. desires connection. And I love to feel yeah. connected. And now I can connect with humanity, you know? Yeah, for sure. And for me, it's about connection as well. Now I've also, because of our podcast, I think I experienced empathy and was somewhat of an empathetic person, but now I would almost consider myself to be an empath because of this experience with the podcast and connecting to all these people, hearing their stories, helping people try to work through all their trauma, religious trauma, honestly, from their upbringings. And it just has changed me. It's made me, I think, a a better person. Wow, yeah. Yeah. What growth do you two feel like you've seen within yourselves throughout your podcasting experience? Growth. When I started the podcast, even uh, seeing a female uh, priest or a female personally in a church or a spiritual congregation was shocking for me. Wow. Mainly because I've never, I never saw it in my life. So um, just seeing the perspective that these people have yeah. and what religion means to them, which was such a muted opinion in the church, because the only things that uh, women could be is uh, uh, nuns, right. Right. which is basically getting thrown into a completely closed. Yeah, life. that sounds boring as um, shit. I could never be a nun. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So seeing the, these different perspectives yeah. from like the female point of view and from others' point of view that I would never hear back in Spain. Yeah. I See, I, I would have seen those things as a Mormon, but I would have never listened or tried to understand or think that it was at all a viable thing. But now that I'm not Mormon, now it's like I, I meet someone who's, you know, a gay priest or whatever, and I, and I just want to know everything. I want to hear them. Yes. I want to connect with them. Yeah. You know, there just aren't that many female clergy still, really not. even today, yeah. um, and, and all sorts of denominations, and hearing their voices is pretty cool. Yeah. Well, yeah, females in power yeah. in general, right? Hopefully there's going to be more and more and For more. sure. Yeah. What about you, Melissa? How do you think you've grown throughout your uh, year of podcasting? I thought I was a good listener. This has made me listen on a different level because sometimes I feel that because I've had this experience, I feel like it's so similar that I almost understand the other person. And sometimes I I have to stop myself and be like, this is not my experience. Mm -hmm. Also, I had gone to seminary when I was um, a teenager, when I was like 17 and 18. Mm -hmm. And it came to this point of, you know, when when you realize that there's so much and there's always something more to know. And then I kind of was just like, okay, I just want to live my life and I'm going to stop questioning and just find joy. And then for a while, I had stopped questioning. And then doing this podcast and meeting people, having those conversations has healed, actually, has come full circle. The conversation that I had in seminary that wasn't answered. It's been so healing and amazing to be able to like talk to a priest about a concept that I learned in seminary with my rabbis and hearing her point of view and being able to get into conversation with that. And also I learn about my religion more mm. through having this full conversation to understand the history and the time period having a more full 
view of myself and my upbringing through other people, sure. which has been amazing. That's awesome. Speaking of your podcast, I'm not trying to put you on the spot, but if you were to meet, I don't know, some executive at a podcasting network tomorrow, what would be your elevator pitch for your podcast? We were talking about this creating our own religion. Uh, yes. I think it's a podcast <laughs> that we are discovering a new religion yeah. with inputs from so many denominations, yeah. so many diverse backgrounds. We're getting redefinitions of concepts that everybody thought they were fixed, that they were already uh, closed in the books. We're opening the books and we're going and uh, revitalizing all this. Yeah. yeah, and we're having it be a living, breathing thing as human beings are living and breathing. And this idea that religion is not the same for everybody. So spirituality needs to be personal and individualized. So that's our idea of this kind of religion that we're talking about, is that we have a space that everybody gets to explore what feels good for them. Well, so where does the idea of forbidden come in? Is that just a fun play on words? I think it's fun. And I think at the same time, I had a lot of forbidden things Yeah, that... I really don't want to follow anymore, and I really want to explore. So it's almost like saying, here's the forbidden fruit you are never allowed to try as a religious person, right? Yeah. It makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So probably need to wrap it up. Do you guys have any other current or future projects you want to pitch besides your podcast? Well, one of the things also with our podcast, we're going to start doing a video. So we're actually, we're expanding. And if anybody wants to collaborate with it, if yeah. they didn't have any ideas. Us. Um, so we're finding ways to expand this and make this more of a multimedia platform and, cool. and stuff like that. So we're working in events and all those things. So if people follow us, they can be updated on those events. We did have a, a live event on uh, music and spirituality. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we had three of our previous guests come yeah. into the event and talk about their experiences. We had a sound healing bath. Yeah. Uh, and it was a lot of fun. That yeah. sounds great. This has been amazing. Once again, it's Palayo and Melissa from Forbidden Apple Podcast. Check it out wherever you listen to podcasts. Thank you so much for having us. Any uh, websites or anything you want to leave for our listeners or just your yeah, Insta? You can uh, reach us at the Forbidden Apple Podcast in Instagram, info at the Forbidden Apple Podcast.com, and our website, the Forbidden Apple Podcast.com. Yeah, and you can find our personal information as well so you can connect with us both. And we respond to love messages all the time. Yeah, thank you so much for Yay. having us. This has thank been really, you. really awesome. Of course. Thank you yeah. for coming on. Yeah, this has been lovely. Okay, well, why don't we take one last commercial break and get to patrons? Um, okay. After that. Let's All do right. It. Yep. Okay. Be right back. We are supported by one damn good brew, apostate coffee. Specifically, the lesbian medium dark variety. A delicious, roasty, toasty blend that's sure to make postal workers in remote Mormon towns super twitchy. <laughs> yep, we have a firsthand account of that one. Sure do. This yummy java is roasted in small batches, so it's super fresh the moment it arrives at your doorstep. And hey, it's named after us, so that's reason enough to give it a shot. I know it. So ditch that grocery store crap and give the lesbian blend a try today at apostatecoffee.com. Mm-hmm. We're back. Hello. Um, we talked about Patreon at the beginning, didn't we? We didn't mention anyone. We did not. You but didn't I was any I didn't, patrons. but I was saying like I'm posting videos and shit there right now just for all because of our Because you're members. bored. Because I'm no, maybe <laughs> because I'm helping others. Oh, Mary. so giving. I know. So All right. very giving. Can you imagine this? Do we have five? Five. <laughs> yes, we do have wow. five. 
five patrons. Are you ready? I am ready. Yes. First one. Uh-huh. Aaron L. Now, how do you spell Aaron? E. E-R-I-N. Okay. Aaron L. Mm-hmm. Is lesbian the last name we're assigning to Aaron? 100%. It starts with L. <laughs> lesbian. Okay. Which brings us to our next patron, Leslie. Leslie. Leslie T. Leslie was actually the name of my best friend in high school, and I have tried my damnedest to get a hold of her um, in our adulthood, and I just can't seem to track her down. Leslie T-Rex. Yes. She has those little arms. Oh, I'm sorry, Leslie, <laughs> with the little arms. <laughs> no, those dinosaurs, the costumes kind of crack me up. Uh-huh. Those costumes are bizarre, by the way, because they've got this fan that continually pumps air through them. Oh, right, right. And then the little T-Rex arm mm-hmm, thing. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm huh. going to get one for Mary. Mm, that's okay. okay. It just seems like a lot of trouble. No? <laughs> <laughs> it's very troublesome. <laughs> I'm feeling trouble uh, right now. Yes, you are. Next patron, Carmen Z. Z. It just, it makes me think of like Zorro. Zorro. Carmen Zorro. I Carmen's like a very like Exotic a, name. Yeah, Carmen, Carmen Zorro. Okay. All right. I like it. Next, Kim S. Not quite as exotic. <laughs> um, but no less important. No less important, Kim S. What does the S stand for? Scandalificent. What the? You're just making up words <laughs> it's the best now. damn name ever. Hey, Kim, you're welcome. <laughs> Kim Scandalificent. Uh-huh. A new film by Disney. <laughs> <laughs> and that brings us to Jeff P. Jeff P. You got to give him a P name. Jeff Probst from Survivor. Isn't that the guy's name? Oh, the host? Yeah. Maybe. I don't really know. Is Jeff Probst a patron? <laughs> Probst. You know, I watched maybe one season of Survivor, and I was like, I'm done. Uh, I loved it. I always wanted to go on it. Would you eat live bugs and stuff? Yes. Ew. Would you form alliances? Mm-hmm. <laughs> you get to be on TV, and you get to make money. I cares. Would you go on Naked and Afraid? Yes. Really? I would quit, like, an hour and a half I in. I don't want to be eaten by bugs. Like, that's the worst part. Yeah, of I don't know. I <sighs> And you're thirsty, and you're hungry. I wouldn't be able to make it. I no. would The first night, I would be like, I am so miserable. I'd either be too cold or too hot. The um, bugs. The bugs would make me nuts. Uh-huh. After two nights of not sleeping well, I'll just cry all the time, constantly crying. <laughs> you would be crying a lot. Oh, my gosh. My partner would hate me. But I wouldn't mind being um, naked in front of anyone, and I wouldn't mind just eating random whatever. I have a blood sugar issue, this and is true. I would just sort of shut down. Yeah, you couldn't do it. We should never, mm-hmm. you and I, together go out. <laughs> You'd be crying, and I would be shut down. <laughs> He'd be passed out, like no energy, and I'd be just crying. <laughs> Sounds like a really good time. I don't think that's the show we should go on. <laughs> but duct tape is the thing to bring. Yes. I'm convinced of yeah. it. Yeah. Anyway. so much with that. So thanks, Jeff Probst from Survivor. <laughs> Which for, has um, nothing being a to do with Naked and Afraid. <laughs> okay, so that's all our patrons. It's our patrons. Thank you so much, yes. all of you. We Thank really you. appreciate it. Yes, and we understand it's a tough time right now. A lot of people aren't working. We get it. You know, everybody's just hanging in there with what they can. We appreciate the support. We understand when you can't support. Like, we get it. We're all in this together. And I'm hoping as we get through this and move forward that we can just kind of get the ball rolling and and enjoy our lives again and just do the things I don't know what I'm trying what to do. What are you saying? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> do some things. I basically didn't say shit just now, and it took me about 30 seconds to say it. So Okay, well, You're um, welcome. if you are able, <laughs> please go to patreon.com slash Lesbian and consider supporting us. Thank We'd you. really appreciate that. Yep. Thank you all so much. Mm-hmm. I guess that's going to do it. That's it. Hope you enjoyed this episode. 
please give Forbidden Apple a listen. That is a really fun show, and we love Melissa and Palayo. Mm-hmm. We do. Okay. Well, uh, I want to thank Dan from Extension Audio. Thanks for leaving it in, Dan. Thank you, Dan. And for the rest of you, remember, steer clear of those cults, especially at the Salt Lake City Airport, because mm-hmm. they are no joke. No joke at all. Talk to you all later. Bye. Bye.